إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So in the last session, we were talking about some of the characteristics of the believer. Some of the characteristics that a Muslim should be upon. The istiqama, the uprightness that a Muslim is required to be upon. And also that a Muslim is somebody who others can feel safe from. You are not somebody who is going to harm others. You are not somebody who others are in fear of due to you being oppressive or wrongdoing. So you are a person who is upright upon the commandments of Allah, staying away from the prohibitions and the sins and the haram. From that then we move on today to the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr radiyallahu anhumah qal qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam arba'un man kunna fihi kana munafiqan khalisan wa man kanat fihi khasla منهن كانت فيه خصلة من النفاق حتى يدعها إذا اتمن خان وإذا حدث كذب وإذا عاهد غدر وإذا خاصم فجر متفق عليه This particular narration now, it talks about four descriptions, four characteristics, which are characteristics of the munafiqeen. Here in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ tells us about four characteristics which are characteristics of the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. And so the purpose of this narration will be to warn us against those particular characteristics, to warn us against those traits, those traits and characteristics of the hypocrites. Because a Muslim needs to make sure that he is certainly not upon the characteristics of the munafiqeen. Before we go into mentioning what these four characteristics are, that a Muslim needs to make sure he avoids, we need to briefly do an introduction into what hypocrisy is and who the hypocrites actually are. 
Because by understanding what hypocrisy is, and who the hypocrites are, then we will be in a better position to understand why these characteristics of those hypocrites are so dangerous. So hypocrisy, nifaq, as a brief background to what this is. Hypocrisy, you could say, is two types. There is hypocrisy, al-nifaq, al-i'tiqadi, hypocrisy of belief. That is one type. Nifaq, hypocrisy of belief. The second type is al-nifaq, al-amali, hypocrisy of action. So you have hypocrisy of belief, and you have hypocrisy of action. As for the hypocrisy of belief, then that is for a person to pretend to be upon Islam outwardly and openly, But in his belief, in his heart, he does not accept Tawheed at all. In his heart, he is upon kufr, upon disbelief. But outwardly in his actions, he demonstrates that he is upon Islam. This is hypocrisy of the heart, hypocrisy of belief. Inside of him, he doesn't accept Islam. Outside, he pretends he's Muslim. That is major hypocrisy. A person who is upon that type of hypocrisy is a kafir. If you do not believe in your heart, then even if you pray and you do the actions, you are kafir. A person who doesn't have the belief in his heart of Islam, of Tawheed, of the Messenger, doesn't have that belief. He doesn't believe in it. But outside he pretends and prays and does everything else. That person is a kafir. That is major hypocrisy. And who is an example of that? Not uh, names generally. Generally is... Which ones? The ones who are alive at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, those munafiqeen, they were upon hypocrisy of belief. The munafiqeen that you hear about from the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, those munafiqeen, they were munafiqeen with the nifaq of belief. Nifaq in their hearts. They were not upon Islam, they did not accept Islam. But outwardly they would be in amongst the Muslims and do as the Muslims do, outwardly portraying and showing that they are upon Iman. But inwardly they were not upon Iman at all. Major hypocrisy, kuffar. Allah said about them, إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ فِي الدَّرْكِ الْأَسْفَلِ مِنَ النَّارِ 
that indeed the hypocrites are in the lowest pits of the hellfire. Those hypocrites, they are in the lowest pits of the hellfire. Because we know, just like paradise goes up in levels, paradise goes up higher and higher in levels, hellfire goes down and down in pits, one pit lower than the next pit, the next pit lower than that pit, those pits, those holes, going down and down and down. Allah said about the munafiqeen, where are they? إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ فِي الدَّرْكِ الْأَسْفَلِ مِنَ النَّارِ that the hypocrites are in the lowest pits of the hellfire. And that is why the scholars, they mention that this nifaq, those munafiqeen are worse than open kuffar. Because at least with open kuffar, clear kuffar, you know their state. You know their position, you know their stance. They are kuffar, they don't accept. But the munafiqeen, they attempt to conceal their reality. They attempt to deceive the believers. They are worse than the open kuffar. So that is one type of nifaq. The nifaq of belief of the heart and nifaq al-i'tiqadi the nifaq of creed of your belief of your heart of your insight the second type of nifaq the nifaq of actions and that is that inwardly a person is upon iman he is upon iman he is a believer but outwardly in his behavior, he does things that the munafiqeen do. He behaves like the munafiqeen do. Even though in his heart he believes. He is, he is a believer. He is a Muslim. Believes in Tawheed, accepts the religion, practices the religion maybe even properly. But he does certain things in his behavior which are behaviors not of the Muslims, they are behaviors of the hypocrites. So now this person has fallen into hypocrisy of actions. He is doing behaviors and actions that are behaviors and actions of hypocrites, not of Muslims. Even though in his heart though, he is upon Iman. He believes he's a Muslim. So this is the minor hypocrisy. Because that type of person who behaves in the way that hypocrites behave in some aspects, inwardly he's still a believer, so he's not a kafir, he is still a Muslim, but he is a sinning Muslim. He is a sinner, a sinning Muslim. So that is minor hypocrisy. The person who behaves or does things that the hypocrites do, even though he believes in Islam, accepts Tawheed, everything, then that person has committed minor hypocrisy. 
In his actions, he's behaving like the hypocrites, even though in his belief he's a Muslim. So the ruling is, he is a Muslim still, but he is sinning and he has characteristics of the hypocrites in him. That's the difference between the two types. Hypocrisy of belief means you do not even accept in your heart about Islam. You don't even accept in your heart. Outwardly you might pretend, but in your belief you don't even believe it. So you are a, that person is a major hypocrite, kafir. The second type, you believe in your heart. You are a Muslim. But you're doing some things which are bad things like the hypocrites do. So you have committed the minor hypocrisy. Because at least in your heart you are believing you are Muslim, but you're doing some sins like our sins of the hypocrites. So you've done minor hypocrisy. You are still a Muslim. That is the difference between the two. And it's a very important difference as well. Many of the takfiris out there, many of these Hizbut Tahrir, Muhajirun, they don't ever make the distinction. They don't seem to be able to comprehend and realize this distinction between the two types. So they see one of the rulers committing some sin. They see one of the rulers committing a sin. They say, there you go. That must mean that he believes in his heart it's allowed to do that. Maybe they see a Muslim country and they have interest in their banks in that country. He says, look, the ruler, he's the one who has control of the banks in his country. He is allowing interest in the banks of his country. That means he must believe in his heart that it's halal. Does it mean that? Not necessarily. Maybe the ruler, just like him, the person talking, is a sinner. Maybe weakness, the countries, the economics, the politics, the business, the trade, from his weakness he sinned and he allowed interest. Doesn't mean he believes it's halal. He may know that he's sinning, just like every person who commits a sin, they know they're sinning. When a person commits a sin, do we say he's kafir straight away? Of course not. So when a ruler commits a sin, do we say he's kafir straight away? Of course not. But these individuals, the ignorant and the misguided, they don't make any distinction. They say, look, this ruler, he does this, he does that, he does this. Kafir therefore. And if you were to think about it, all of these things they say the rulers they do, they probably do half of them themselves. So you are a kafir yourself first, before you make the ruler the kafir. That's the reality. So here you need to know this distinction. This distinction of the two types of hypocrisy. The next point to mention with regards to this background in hypocrisy, when did hypocrisy first begin? When did those hypocrites at the time of the Prophet ﷺ first emerge? Anyone? After the hijrah. Before the hijrah, when the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was in Mecca, who had control and authority in Mecca? The Quraysh, the Kuffar. There was no need for any of them to pretend. They had authority, they had power, they were oppressing the Muslims. But after the hijrah, when the power was established for Islam and the Muslims in Medina, 
Now these kuffar, they became a little bit uneasy. That Islam is spreading and the strength and the power is occurring for them. They became uneasy and uncomfortable. So some of them decided, let's just take an easy way out. Let's pretend we're Muslims as well. And then nobody will be on our backs. So then hypocrisy began at that time. Hypocrisy began at that time where they pretended to be upon Islam and in reality they were not. There is the famous narration of the hypocrites and when they built a mosque, those hypocrites' major hypocrisy the ones who weren't even Muslims in reality at all, they didn't believe at all, they were just pretending. Kuffar, they built a mosque at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, next to Masjid Quba. Everybody's heard of Masjid Quba in Medina, on the outskirts of Medina. They built a mosque near that mosque. And they made some excuses, they said, sometimes it's cold, sometimes it rains, some of us are elderly, we can't get down to Masjid Quba, so we need to build this other one here next to it as well, just a short while away. So they made some excuses and they built a mosque. The reason why they built a mosque, you may think, why? They were munafiqun anyway. They don't care, why are they building a mosque? The reason was, they wanted a base where they could gather and they could plot against Muhammad ﷺ and the Muslims. But they couldn't make that base one of their houses or something. All the time getting together, everybody would get suspicious of them. What are they doing? Why are they always getting together? What are they talking about late into the night? They needed a way of getting together and plotting without anybody getting suspicious. So they decided, let's build a masjid. We'll get together in the mosque on a regular basis and nobody will ever become suspicious. It's a mosque. They will think we're going there for worship, for lessons. Who would ever get suspicious if the Muslims are going regularly to the mosque and getting together? Nobody. So they said, that's what we'll do. So they built a mosque next to Masjid Quba, so they could use that as a base to get together in there and make their plans and their plots. And nobody would get suspicious, they would just think they are going in there for a lesson, they are going in there for a prayer, etc., etc. They even decided to seal their plan by inviting the Prophet Muhammad wasallam to come and pray in their mosque. Because if the Prophet ﷺ went and prayed there, that would be the stamp of approval. Nobody would even become suspicious ever. They would say even the Prophet ﷺ prayed in this mosque. This is a legitimate mosque and these are legitimate people. The Prophet ﷺ came and prayed here. So nobody would ever raise an eyebrow. So they decided to do that. So they invited the Prophet ﷺ to come and pray in their new mosque. At the time, the Prophet ﷺ was out on a battle. And the message got to him. They sent a message with the messengers. The, the, you know, in the olden times, they used to have the messengers 
You give your note, your letter to the messenger. He goes on his horse and travels to the next country to whoever you're sending your note to and he passes it on to him. So they send somebody and he passed the note on or the message on to the Prophet ﷺ that back in Medina there's a new mosque which has opened and they're inviting you to come and pray there. So the Prophet ﷺ said, of course, when we come back from this expedition, when we come back from this battle, inshallah we'll come and pray. New masjid. We'll come and pray in there one time. So then, when the Prophet ﷺ was returning from that expedition, from that battle, on the way back, the revelation came down. The revelation came down. The ayat, لَا تَقُمْ فِيهِ أَبَدًا Do not pray within it ever. لَا تَقُمْ فِيهِ أَبَدًا Do not go and stand. يعني, to mean stand in the prayer in that mosque ever. Revelation came down to the Prophet ﷺ, telling him about what this was. Telling him about the plot of the munafiqeen. So he was informed. And so when he was informed, then he became aware of who those people were and why they had built that mosque. And clearly that so-called mosque had been built with corrupt intentions. It had not been built upon sincerity of worship to Allah. It had been built by those munafiqeen upon corruption. So it was not in reality a masjid. So the Prophet ﷺ sent some of the people, told them, go and destroy that building they've made. Go and destroy it. Because it is not a mosque in reality. So some of them went and they burnt it down and they destroyed this building, this pretend mosque that the munafiqeen had built. And that is the uh, story or the mosque known as Masjid Al-Dirar. It is mentioned in the books of Sirah, in the books of history, that the Muslims who lived in the area of Quba, when they became aware of what had happened, they became aware that this new mosque wasn't actually a mosque, it was the hypocrites. And they saw how the Prophet ﷺ sent people to take it down. When they heard about all of that and they became aware of all of that story, after it had been destroyed, it is mentioned in the books of history that they would use that site as a garbage tip. Their garbage tip, they would go and dump everything on that site where the munafiqeen had tried and failed and plotted to build this fake masjid to plot against Islam, the site, they used it as a rubbish dump afterwards. As further degradation of those munafiqeen, for their plot that they had attempted against Islam. So these are the hypocrites. These are the hypocrites and this is hypocrisy. And there are many other stories of how they used to go out with the Prophet ﷺ to jihad. But they were hypocrites. They didn't want to really be fighting. They didn't want to die for what? They didn't even believe in Islam. There are stories when they would go out because they were forced. The Muslims were all going to jihad. They couldn't say, I'm not going to go. 
they had to go along. But then as they went along and it got rough, there are mentionings of stories where they would turn around and run away. And they wouldn't go and participate. The munafiqeen. And when they pray, Allah mentions, they used to pray in a state of laziness. Because they don't want to pray. They were just doing it to show. So this is the munafiqeen that Allah talks about right at the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah. If you open the Qur'an from the beginning, the Mus'haf from the beginning, Surah Al-Baqarah, right at the beginning in the first 20 or so verses, Allah talks about the munafiqeen and their plots and how they attempt to deceive. And in reality, they are not deceiving anybody except themselves. So here now, after that background, the Prophet said, أَرْبَعٌ مَنْ كُنَّ فِيهِ كَانَ مُنَافِقًا خَالِصًا Four characteristics, whoever has them, then he is a pure munafiq. He is upon that hypocrisy, he is like a munafiq. The one who is upon these characteristics. وَمَنْ كَانَتْ فِيهِ خَصْلًا مِنْهُنَّ كَانَتْ فِيهِ خَصْلَةٌ مِنَ النِّفَاقِ حَتَّى يَدْعَهَا and whoever has one of these characteristics in him, then he's got a characteristic of hypocrisy in him until he leaves that uh, trait and that characteristic. What are they then? Firstly, number one, khan. When that individual is entrusted with something, somebody trusts you to do something, puts their trust and their faith in you, you go and betray that trust. You are treacherous to the people. Treacherous to the people. Betray the trust of the people. That is not a characteristic of the Muslim. That is a characteristic and a trait of the hypocrites. They betray the people. And they are treacherous to the people. The Muslim is not like that. The Muslim is upright and honest and has dignity and honor. Do not dishonor yourselves. Do not indignify yourselves. Do not degrade yourselves by falling into these despicable characteristics of betrayal and treachery. So they are characteristics of the munafiqeen. Betrayal, treachery when you are entrusted with something. وَإِذَا حَدَّثَ كَذَبٌ The second characteristic. When he speaks, he lies. Lying is a characteristic not of the Muslim. Lying is a characteristic of the hypocrite. The hypocrites are known for their lies. The biggest of their lies, that they pretend to be Muslim. They are the ones who lie. They are the ones who use their tongues upon falsehood. The Muslim does not lie. The Muslim is truthful. Truthful. Whether the truth is with you or against you. 
Be truthful until you are recognized in the heavens as a truthful one. Until you are written down as a truthful one. The truthful ones, those upon that characteristic are of the highest of levels. The truthful ones, they are the honorable and the dignified. There is a narration on one occasion where a munafiq and a Jew had a dispute. A munafiq and a Jew had a dispute, an argument about something. The munafiq said to the Jew, we'll take our argument to a particular Jew, a particular non-Muslim. The munafiq who was pretending to be Muslim, as far as the Jewish man was concerned, this munafiq was a Muslim. He was saying to the Jewish man, this argument, let's take it to somebody, he'll judge between us. And who was the munafiq suggesting? Some non-Muslim. The Jew, who did he suggest? The Jew said, yes, let's take our argument to somebody who will judge between us. Who did the Jewish man suggest we take our argument to? The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because it was known that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is completely, absolutely trustworthy. Completely just. No wrongdoing, no lying, no treachery. If the right was for the Jew, the Prophet ﷺ would have told them the right is for the Jew in this case. And the Jewish knew that. So he said, we'll go to Muhammad ﷺ, he'll judge between us. Whereas the munafiq who was pretending to be Muslim, didn't want to go to the Prophet ﷺ. So there are narrations like this and others similar to it. Indicating how even the non-Muslims knew about the trustworthiness and the honesty and the integrity of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is what a Muslim needs to be upon. When you lie and you deceive and you cheat, that lying and deception you think it will bring you some benefit. You think it will bring you some good. And in reality, that good and that benefit you perceive is nothing. Rather, if you were truthful, if you were truthful, then even if some harm came to you, then you are patient upon it, knowing that you have been truthful as Allah commanded you to be. Even if some small harm came to you as a consequence, if that was decreed upon you, be truthful, be upon what Allah and His Messenger have commanded you, and be patient upon the decree and what it may bring. So the second characteristic mentioned here of the hypocrites is, when they speak, they lie. Lying is a common trait for the hypocrites. Common for them. So do not lie. Do not abuse your tongues. As the narrations in the Quran and the Sunnah they mention. 
A person may do so many good deeds, so many good actions, but you can destroy all of your good deeds, all of your good actions. They can be destroyed so easily by simply using your tongue in the wrong way. Using your tongue in the wrong way, lying and deceiving and cheating, it will not bring you any benefit whatsoever. Rather, trustworthiness and truthfulness are the characteristics of the pious. And that is what will bring you salvation in the hereafter. So the second dispraiseworthy characteristic of the munafiqeen, when they speak, they lie. Thirdly, or before we get to the third one, there are some narrations in the Qur'an, the ayat of the Qur'an, and narrations of the sunnah that talk about this too. In the Qur'an, Allah says, وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنْ افْتَرَى عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبَ Who is more oppressive? Who is more of a wrongdoer than the one who fabricates upon Allah? Lies. Who is more of a wrongdoer? Who is more of an oppressor? Except the one who fabricates upon Allah lies. Similarly, the Prophet ﷺ said, إِيَّاكُمْ kadhib Be warned from lying. فَإِنَّ الْكَذِبَ يَدْعُوا إِلَى الْفُجُورِ وَإِنَّ الْفُجُورِ يَدْعُوا إِلَى النَّارِ Because lying, it drags you to the evil and the wrongdoing. And the evil and the wrongdoing drags you to the fire. Lying pulls you to evil and sin and wrongdoing. And that evil and sin and wrongdoing will eventually pull you to the fire. وَلَا يَزَالُ الرَّجُلُ يَكْذِبُ وَيَتَحَرَّ الْكَذِبُ حَتَّى يُكْتَبَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ كَذَّابًا And a person does not cease to lie and seek out lying, continuously lying, as is trait, his habit, until he is written down by Allah, with Allah as a liar. Written down as a liar. And the opposite is the opposite. The one who speaks the truth, and continues upon the truth, then he will be written down with Allah as a truthful one. The third characteristic وَإِذَا عَاهَدَ غَدَرْ When a person makes some covenant, some treaty, some promise, he breaks those promises, breaks those covenants, breaks those treaties. This again is very similar to betrayal and treachery on the whole. The one who has a contract, then do not betray those contracts. You have a contract, then fulfill your contracts. 
Do not lie and deceive upon your contracts. The one who has a deal, fulfill the conditions of your deal. Do not lie and deceive upon your deals. You have some business, fulfill the business in the correct and the upright and truthful manner. Do not lie and deceive in your business. Do not lie and deceive in your business. That story I mentioned once a while ago. Once I was buying some fragrance, the atar, you know the musk. I was buying some fragrance once. And you know how you barter with them for the price. So I was bartering with him the price. He offered me a particular price, whatever it was, 15 reals. I said to him, I'll give you 10. He said, 10? If you give me only 10, that's even less than what I bought it for. That's less than cost price. I need at least 12 or something. 10 is even less than what I buy them for. So then after a couple of minutes of negotiations, he agreed to 10. And then I bought it and I said to him, so mashallah, now you've just made a loss on what you've sold me. Why did you sell it to me? And then he smiled in that type of smile when you know you've been lying, that he hadn't bought it for 10 at all, he probably bought it for about 2. So this type of thing, it is haram. Haram to engage in that type of activity. Haram for you to be giving this type of nonsense, that I did this and I bought it for this and I paid this. Buying and selling, it's a particular chapter in the books of fiqh. Buying and selling, they tell you about the rules, they tell you about the regulations in Islam. You gotta describe the item properly and carefully. Don't deceive anybody. Don't have hidden faults, don't show them and sell it. That reminds me of another story. Just two days ago, two days ago, two days ago, I bought a car. Two days ago, alhamdulillah, I bought a new car. MashaAllah. Went to the dealership, had a look at the car, looked around it, went for the test drive, and then afterwards I bought the car and I paid him. Then as I was going, well, at the moment when I bought the car, when I bought it, there were two faults that we noticed. Two faults that were clear. And we spoke about them, and he wrote them in the contract, no problem, and we discussed, and I said, okay, so there are these two faults then, I'll have to pay such and such, that's okay, I'm willing to do that. These two faults, I'll burden them. Let's sign the contract upon that if it's just that. He said, yes, 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 yes. Signed the contracts and I bought the car. So then as I was driving home, I noticed four, not one, not two, not three, four rather significant chips in the windscreen of the car. Four big stone chips which I hadn't noticed at the time because the MOT certificate said clean, not even a single advisory, clean MOT. And he said to me, there is an 82 point RAC check on the car, which means there cannot be any chips on the windscreen. So I bought it without looking into those affairs. But when I went home on the way, I saw four huge chips. So then I contacted him. I said, that RAC report you claimed that this car has, that it has a clean 82 point check. 
show me the report, email it to me. He emailed it to me, and lo and behold, what does it say on the report in the section of the windscreen? Four large chips with MOT question mark. Questioning the legitimacy of the MOT paper. I said, why did you sell me the car like that when you knew about this fault that means? You knew about this fault. You knew the windscreen was messed up. You knew these MOT papers had question marks over them. You knew the RAC report had found this fault in the car. And that wasn't the only one. The petrol cap was broken and that was marked on the RAC report too. So I said, all of these faults, why didn't you tell me at the time? You claim to be a dealership with an RAC warranty, everything. Your report is telling you of these faults. Why didn't you tell me when I bought the car? And then initially, as traders do, I'm sorry, sir, I cannot do anything about those faults. I'm sorry. So, I, you know, alhamdulillah, we know our rights these days. I said, okay, no problem. Under the trading laws, I'm going to bring the car back, have my money ready. So then he began to make some offers. I'll give you this much, that much. I said, no. Either you pay for the faults in full, which you deceived me over, or return all of my money. So in the end, I took the car back and got the money back, every penny. So now I'm carless again. That car is gone. <laughs> Nevertheless, the point is, in that, he clearly attempted to deceive. When I went back to give the car back and get the money, he said, oh, no, I thought you noticed them. I thought you noticed them. MashaAllah, of course you thought I noticed them. Four huge chips in the windscreen, and you think I'm going to buy the car without making any issue of them? So they deceive. That is deception of this nature. You cannot do that. Islamically, that would not be allowed at all. Islamically, you need to describe your item you're selling to the person you're selling it to with detail. If there are faults, let the person know. Let the person know there is this fault and that fault. So you are not selling them upon deception. So this is the third point mentioned here. The characteristic of the hypocrite is that when it comes to these trusts, these uh, covenants, these uh, deals, these contracts, they betray and they deceive and they cheat and they break these trusts and these contracts. The fourth one, وَإِذَا خَاصَمَ fajara. That when an individual, he debates or uh, disputes, then he begins to debate and dispute and argue upon falsehood. The Muslim goes with the truth wherever the truth may be. The Muslim goes with the truth wherever the truth may be. Even if the truth is against you. If the truth is against you, then accept it, admit it, repent to Allah, seek forgiveness, and you'll get rewarded for that. You will not get rewarded for deceiving and carrying on pretending you're in the right and the other one is in the wrong. You will not get rewarded for carrying on arguing against somebody even though you know you are in the wrong. So do not fall into that fourth characteristic. Arguing upon falsehood. Defending yourself upon falsehood. Trying to rebut the truth upon falsehood from yourself. That is what the munafiqeen did. They rebut the truth upon falsehood. They break their covenants and their contracts. 
They lie. They deceive. They cheat. You see in this hadith these four characteristics. All four of these characteristics from the evil characteristics of hypocrites. Lying and deceiving and betraying and treachery and breaking your contracts and your trusts. All of these characteristics, all of them are characteristics of hypocrisy. So a Muslim who lies has in him a characteristic of the hypocrites. You are like the hypocrites when you lie. You resemble hypocrites by doing this act of lying. You break your trusts and your deals and your contracts. Then you have resembled the hypocrites in their behavior. This is not the behavior of the Muslims. You deceive and cheat and betray and are treacherous when people trust you with things, with their wealth, with their other affairs. Again, you have demonstrated a characteristic not of the Muslims, not of the Prophet ﷺ, not of the Sahaba, the Salaf, but rather you have taken a characteristic of the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. The hypocrites who Allah said will be in the lowest pits of the hellfire. Why do you want to resemble and copy those hypocrites who are in the lowest pits of the hellfire? What do you desire in copying them? Push away these doubts and these desires and these whisperings of the shaitan that cause an individual to fall into these characteristics. Because these characteristics, if you fall into them, you have committed the hypocrisy of of actions, of amal. You have committed the hypocrisy of actions. And the issue with that is, like we said, you are still Muslim. If you commit the hypocrisy of actions, doesn't make you a kafir instantly. But if you're committing the hypocrisy of actions, then eventually one thing will lead to another, to another, to another. And you do not know how far you will end up in that sinning and wronging. And you do not know what your final state may end up as. That is what happens when a person opens up his heart to sinning and wrongdoing and opens up his heart to the characteristics of the hypocrites. Leads you from one to the next. The small sin drags you to one that is slightly bigger. Drags you to one that is slightly bigger until you continue and continue and continue and you are dragged into sins that are huge and major, but you no longer view them as huge or major, because you've been sinning for so long, and it's been building up and up and up, now these major sins are nothing to you. Just like bid'ah, a person does a small bid'ah, builds and builds and builds, and he ends up in huge bid'ah, but he doesn't even think it anything anymore. Whereas at the beginning, he would have said, that's a terrible bid'ah. But now because slowly, slowly he's been doing this bid'ah, built up to the big one. So now it doesn't feel bad to him. The sins slowly doing sinning and sinning and sinning. And you know even the small sins, if you carry on doing them and doing them and doing them, they are equivalent to 
major sins, the one who persists upon the minor sins. So in this hadith, we learn a great deal regarding the characteristics of the hypocrites, regarding the warning for the Muslims to stay away from those characteristics, because they will drag you one to the next to the next, until you find yourself in a despicable state. You find yourself in a despicable state. You find your heart disconnected from Allah, disconnected from worship and obedience, due to all of these sins that you're committing, due to all of these wrongs that you're committing, due to you copying the hypocrites, instead of copying the messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the sahaba, the salaf. Copy them. Do not copy the ones who are in the lowest pits of the hellfire. So that is the end of that particular hadith. The plan was to do more, but we'll leave it on that one hadith for today. And we'll leave some time now, if there are any questions or queries or anything related to that, then we can leave some time for that now, inshaAllah. So we'll leave it there for tonight then. Tomorrow is the 40 hadith lesson. And then next Friday, Abu Iyad with the Tawheed lesson. Uh, and then we'll come back in a fortnight. Oh, oh we'll come back in a fortnight. There's a conference in two weeks. There's a conference in two weeks, huh? Today is what? It's only been two weeks. Ah, so we're going to come back in a month now then or something. Or three weeks at the earliest. So in two weeks time from now, December the 23rd, 24th, 25th will be the conference in Birmingham. So this class will be at the earliest now in three weeks, inshallah. So we'll conclude upon that for tonight. Uh,